your Bible with me to Matthew 28 as we conclude our series entitled Accomplishing the Mission of Jesus. I think today is going to be a time where we can really begin to apply what we've been talking about and learning about and and, and hearing about, not only through my ministry the first two Sundays of the month, but uh, Brother Kenneth and Brother Ken Bent and then, uh, of course, Brother uh, Vaughn both just did a wonderful job uh, just building upon this thought and this idea uh, of, of accomplishing the ministry and the mission that God has for us. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. I want to encourage you to read it with me out loud. Let's read it together off the screen. Everyone together. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And everybody said... Amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. May your word bring forth much fruit in our life as we endeavor to do what you've called us to do and accomplish and finish the mission that you started in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God's plan. Let's talk about God's plan. We've talked about it already uh, this month, but let's kind of get some review here. God's plan was a twofold plan. It had two parts to it. The first part was the ministry or the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to come because there was a problem in the earth. The world, were, the, the whole world is born in sin and needed a savior. And Jesus came to do two things. To, uh, to, to really raise up followers and then to offer himself as the sacrifice and the payment for our sin on Calvary's cross. Just a few Sundays ago, we celebrated not just the death, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you appreciate the fact that Jesus died for our sin, but then on the third day he rose again so we too could have newness of life? That's the plan of God. And Jesus finished his plan. In fact, on the cross, he said, it is finished. He knew his earthly ministry was coming to a close. And then he was about to institute or instigate or, or impart to us the phase two of God's overarching plan. And that's the ministry of the church of which you and I are a part. You see, God has a plan for the church. And that great commission that I just read to you is the responsibility of every Bible-believing Christian who calls the name on the name of Christ and, and confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord. That is our mission. And that's why we've endeavored, and my phrasing has been, we need to learn and, and, and embrace the fact and make missions our mission. Not just, you know, when we think about missions, <clears throat> we think about Africa. We think about, in fact, Pastor Ron just is bringing back a team uh, in the morning from Thailand with our missionaries there, Ralph and Annie Dryden. And they had a pastors and leaders conference there and had, I think, 125, 130 pastors there. It's just a phenomenal thing that they were able to do. I think Ken Ben is there with them. And so they had a great time. And we think about that as the mission field or going on the mission field. But here's what we need to understand. God's mindset about the mission field, it begins right here in our world. And we need to make missions our mission. Not just thinking of the, the, the other places around the world, but the place where God has placed us. You see, the world you live in is your mission. And you, need to, you and I need to make missions our mission and realize that the responsibility we have as the church 
to fulfill God's purpose and plan is to make missions our mission and embrace the reality that God has placed that in our lives and our, our, the world we live in as our responsibility. And so this morning, I want to simply give you four thoughts. I want you to write these down. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write them down and maybe leave a little space between each one. And the first one is this. Uh, it's open up. Everyone say open up. Everyone say own up. Everyone say offer up. And then opt out. Say open up, own up, offer up, and opt out. These four thoughts I'll share with you in a moment will help us Make it personal in our life. It's time we need to take personal responsibility for the mission that God has for us and not just think about, you know, I've given you a brochure about our foreign missionaries. You saw them on the slides uh, uh, just a few moments ago. And when you think about missions, you tend to think about them. But when God thinks about missions, he thinks about the church and our responsibility not just to help them, but to fulfill the mission that God has for us. It's time we made it personal. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time we take it personal. Missions needs to be our personal responsibility in life. And take, take that seriously. So these four thoughts. The first one, open up. Everyone say, open up. What are we talking about this morning? I think this is so important to help us posture ourselves to take missions personally and make missions our mission. We need to open up our hearts to God and to his plan, but really ultimately uh, uh, the, the field that God has placed us in. Just last week, Beverly and I had the wonderful opportunity to go through Westminster Abbey. If you never get to go there, you need to get online and just look and read and, and, and see. Most of you have seen the pictures. I, who, tell me recently, did, was Diana, that was her, where she had her funeral, right? Westminster Abbey, you might get a little idea, but oh, it has such history. And all over the floor in different places, there are graves and tombs of great leaders and people and not only uh, religious, but poets and things. In fact, we saw a little spot to the ashes of Lawrence... Olivier. I mean, just a little, some of these things are a little odd, but there in one of the main areas was the gravesite of the great legendary missionary statesman, uh, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. You remember the story? He was a pioneer, and it's what made it so personal to me, a pioneer of missions in Africa. And oh, his story is heartwarming, and it's also heartbreaking. Because he actually died on the mission field there in Africa. And uh, uh, he went missing. And the story is that he went missing for a number of years. And, and a, a newspaper in London or somewhere sent an ambassador to go find him. And after searching for many days, he stumbled upon the only white man that he could, had seen there in, a, in all of Africa. And the great question, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. And so there we were at his grave, and I heard the story again of how he, he on his, when he was dying, and he had uh, malaria and dysentery and the, the ravages of that area, the, you know, the diseases of that area had finally overtaken him. Kneeling on his, beside his bed, he went to his eternal reward. And the country, the people of England, because he was somewhat of a, folk hero at that point. He had been a great explorer and he had a, a good reputation. They wanted to bring his body back to England and bury his body. 
And the people of Africa loved him so much that they said, well, you can take his body, but his heart belongs in Africa. And they literally removed his heart and buried it under a tree of where he preached one of his last messages there in Africa. And his body is buried in Westminster Abbey. This man had opened his heart to the world around him. How do we do that? I think one of the secrets, one of the biblical secrets of opening up your heart to the world around you and beginning to realize that the world you live in is your mission field. And we also were able to visit uh, uh, the church uh, uh, John Wesley founded there in London. And oh, great history there. His actual gravesite is there. And on the statue that honors his life, he's the father of Methodism, he said this, the whole world is my parish. He realized the whole world was a part of what God had called him to do. He had, as well, had opened up his heart to the world. How do we do that? Well, one of the biblical insights is we open our eyes. Everyone say, open our eyes. If you want your heart to be open, you've got to open your eyes. In fact, and begin to see through the lens of Christ. And In fact, I remember in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, where Jesus looked out on the fields and he saw the harvest. And it says, when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion because they were as, a, as sheep without a shepherd. In other words, when he saw them, it touched his heart. You see, many times our eyes are blinded to the world around us. And you know, when you go, when, when you go around the world and when you see, you know, when, when you go to the orphanage there in Nairobi or, and in Langada and those little children come running around you, they've never met you, they don't know who you are, but they know you're good because you're with their their, their parents, uh, David and Jennifer Hatley, and they run up to you. I'm telling you, it touches your heart. And you began to be moved with compassion for them. Before I left, there was about 15 or 20 of them standing around us, and I, I got to preaching to them. They were all different ages. And I said, I said, in the morning when you wake up, you will have a meal to eat. And they said, yeah. I said, and at lunchtime, you will have another meal. They said, yes. I said, and tonight, this evening, or, or tomorrow evening, you'll have another meal. And they, I'm talking to orphans, okay? They said, yes. I said, hakuna matata. And they said, hakuna matata. And they had a big smile on their face. And I'm telling you, it'll touch your heart. You'll go, ooh, I think I need me some of those. And when we open up our eyes and see them, it moves our heart. But understand something. The world God has placed us in, he, need, he desires us to open up our hearts to the world around us. And the way we do is open up our eyes and begin to look at the fields. And I think of the story in John chapter 4 of the, of the woman uh, at the well. And I won't retell the story. I think, I think Brother Ken preached from this passage. But the story is this. When she went back to Samaria and told them of all the things that Jesus had said and come see a man who told me all things I've ever done. The whole city came out. And as they were coming, Jesus told his disciples, he said, look out under the fields. He, he said, don't say four months and then comes the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look at the field there. Why already to harvest? You see, we open up our hearts and we open up our eyes and it causes us to begin to tune in to the needs of the world around us and tune in to those people and God touches our hearts and though not in your notes another area we need to open up is our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church because God is speaking to the church that we need to make missions our mission and make it our personal responsibility to go into the world into the world God has placed us and 
do what God's called us to do and be what God's called us to be. Everyone say, open up. You see, if we're going to make missions our mission and make it our personal, make it personal in our life, we've got to open up our hearts. We've got to open up our eyes. We've got to open up our ears to the world around us and begin to let our heart be touched and moved and challenged by the call of God upon our lives. And then, of course, when that begins to happen, the second thing, as I shared with you, we not only should open up, but we need to own up. Everyone say, own up. What does it mean to to own up? It means to take responsibility, to be accountable to God for. I've told you this before and remind you daily almost or weekly that one day we will all stand before God and give an account and have to show responsibility for the one life God has given us. And whether or not we fulfilled God's purpose and plan for our life, to own up means to take responsibility for the call of God and the purpose of God for our life. Let me share with you three thoughts that I think when I think about owning up and taking responsibility. The first one is this. We need to take responsibility for who we are. You see, as a Christian, we have a new identity in Christ. Everyone sit up straight and smile and go, I have a new identity in Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us a lot about who we are. And if we'll read that and begin to embrace who we are, we need to take responsibility for the new person that we are. The first thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we learn is that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are a new creation in Christ. God's given us a second chance. We have a new life in Him. Somebody say amen. And that is our identity. We are Christian. We are born again into the family of God. This is who we are. But it also says in 2 Corinthians, not only are we new creations in Christ Jesus, but we are, we are also ministers of reconciliation. That's who God thinks we are when he looks at the church. That's the, part of, that's the primary purpose that we're still here, is to be ministers of reconciliation. That is, that God was in the world reconciling the world to himself through Christ and now has given us that same ministry of reconciliation. And then when you read on in 2 Corinthians, you'll discover that not only are we new creations in Christ and not only are we ministers of reconciliation, but we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us to a world that is lost and without Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, if we're going to make missions our mission and make it, our per- make it personal in our life, we've got to open up and we've got to own up. We've got to take responsibility for who we are, but not only for who we are, but we need to take responsibility for what we know. Did you know God has given us great insight? We have the plan of God and the ministry of reconciliation. In fact, I love what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, or really 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, the things that you have heard from me. In other words, the things that you've received from me. The message, the truth, the reality of Christ. The gospel, the grace of God. The ministry of reconciliation. He told Timothy, the things that you've heard from me, that you know, you, you take these and give them to faithful men who will teach others also. You see, you and I have a responsibility for what we know. And if you know the, if you know the truth, guess what? The truth does set you free. But it's not the truth that, uh, that you, 
you know, it's the truth you know that sets you free. And if you know the truth, you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to own up to that and be able to share that with those who have yet to know the truth. Amen. So we've got to open up our hearts to the world around us. We've got to own up and take responsibility, personal responsibility for the one life God has given us. Everyone say, no excuses. We've got to take responsibility for who we are as a new, cri- new creation in Christ Jesus. We've got to take responsibility for what we know. And number three, we need to take responsibility for what we have because we have been given some great blessing in life. In fact, Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Let me give you some thoughts this morning about what we have, how God has equipped us and empowered us. And how many of you know when he gives you something, you've got to be responsible with it? How many of you don't appreciate people when you give them something and they're not responsible or accountable and they, they trample it under feet or whatever? Let me tell you some things that God has given us. Number one, he's given us his presence. In fact, what does the last part of the Great Commission say? I love this part. It just blesses me to know. He said, go into all the world, but what's the last part? And lo, I'm with you what? Somebody say always. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. We have his presence in our life. He's given us his presence, and we've got to be responsible with what we have. He's also given us his power. He said in Acts chapter 1 to this new fledgling church, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. When the promise of the Father comes upon you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We have power. Somebody say power. We've got to take responsibility with what God has given us. He's given us his presence. He's given us his power. He's also given us his promises. I love his promises. How many of you know his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus? In fact, Peter said these promises that we have, which is the word of God, uh, are exceeding great and precious promises. And by them, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've got to take responsibility with who we are in Christ as a new creation. We've got to own up and take responsibility for what we know through the word of God and the truth we have. We've got to take responsibility for what we have. We have his presence. We have his power. We have his promises. And number four, we have his purposes. He's given us his divine purpose in our life. In fact, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our purpose, but according to his own purpose. We have his divine purpose inbred within us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we've got to take responsibility. We can't keep pointing the finger at some other land or some other people or race, or kindred, or say, well, the preachers and the missionaries, this is their responsibility. You know, it's our responsibility. We've got to open up. Everyone say, open up. Everyone say, we've got to own up. And number three, we must offer up. What are you talking about, you might ask? Well, I'm talking about offering ourselves. In fact, Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, If you want to turn there, one of my favorite passages, he said this about who we are and what what our responsibility is. It says in verse 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
In other words, it's just reasonable, it's just fitting, it's just, it's just normal thinking for us as Christians to offer up ourselves and our lives as a living sacrifice. I thank God that he said a living sacrifice. You know, some people confess that they're willing to die for something, and I think that's honorable, I think that's noble. In fact, but I want you to understand something, Jesus died for us so we can live for him. We need to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice and be able to live for him and his purposes and offer ourselves up to him and say, I'm not my own. This world is not my own. I'm not, it's not about me. It's all about him. And I give myself to you, God, as a living sacrifice for your purpose, your plan, and your kingdom benefit. In fact, Paul told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2 that he was being poured out as a drink offering on the altar and for the service and sacrifice of their faith. He had offered himself up as an offering for the sake of others. Now, my friend, understand something that goes against the grain of, of, uh, of the world we live in. Because the world we live in, we think it's all about us. Let's get all you can and can the rest. And it's all about me. But understand something. If we're going to make missions our mission, if we're going to make it personal, we've got to come to the place where we realize that our life is not our own. And we must offer ourselves up to him and for his kingdom purposes. Let me give you three thoughts today. The first one is this. We ought to offer up all our gains to God. You know, the world is out trying to gain things, gain this, gain that. When you look at the life of Paul and what he said in Philippians, he said, all the things that I've gained, and he had gained great credibility in the religious circle of his day. He had gained great education in the circle of his day. He had gotten it all. He had attained to great status. He had reached out and gained and gained and gained, and he looked at it all, and he said, all these things have I, I've gained. There is nothing. There is fact as dumb. He said, I give them all up. I lay them all down that I might gain him. We've got to offer up all our gains and all our personal acclaim to him. And number two, we've got to offer up our goods. Philippians chapter 4, and really the whole book is really a thanksgiving letter. He's writing to the church in Philippi that had provided him great resources in a time of need for the kingdom purpose. And he said, you offered up an offering and a sacrificial offering. And then he said that verse 19, which we all love to claim. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But understand something, the condition of that verse is for those who had offered up their goods. I thank God for a church today that offers up its goods. Not just, uh, not just our time, but our, 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 our talent, our resource to do great things. And I've encouraged each of us to look at our lives and look at our finances and, and set aside some, not just for the tithe and offering, but an, or for the tithe, but an offering above the tithe into the missionary's life. I want to encourage you to not only offer up your tithe, but offer up your offering to the mission field to, to take part and, and begin to sow and to offer up our gains and offer up our goods for the cause of God's kingdom coming around the world. We offer up not only our gains and our goods, but we offer our gifts. That is how God has graced us and gifted us. In fact, Paul, when he was passing the baton of leadership to Timothy, his son in the faith, when he was about to lay it all down, 
He said these verse, this passage, Second uh, Timothy 1, 6, he said this to Timothy, one of the keynote directives of his life and, and moving to another level of leadership and influence in the world around him. He said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God within you. Fan into flame the gift of God within you. God has gifted us. He's graced us. We need to fan into flame the gift of God and begin to use what God has given us and offer ourselves up, not just our gains and our goods, but who we are, how God has gifted us and graced us and offer it up to God as a, as a tool and a resource to make a difference in the world around us. Stir up the gift of God within you. Peter actually said this in 2 Peter chapter 4. He said this. He said, we've all been given a gift Use it, minister through it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God in your life. You see, we've got to make it personal. We think of others. Others have gifts and talents and resources. Let me tell you something. God will bless you if you'll offer yourselves up to him. If you give, guess what? It'll be given unto you. In fact, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 about sowing and reaping, it says he gives seeds to the sower. Not seeds to the taker, but seeds to the sower. Somebody say seeds to the sower. If we, if we give uh, uh, and we offer up all that we are, and we offer up our goods and our gifts, he will bless us so we can be a greater blessing to the kingdom of God. Amen. I'll never forget years ago when I was in Quitman, pastoring the church in Quitman and and our missions projects were limited and, and, and uh, we didn't have resources and and uh, I was frustrated that we didn't have resources to give to missions and we weren't, we weren't doing our due diligence. And, and so I got real spiritual before the Lord. And I said, Lord, if you'll bless us, we'll be a blessing. If you'll bless us, we'll give to missions. And with no pause, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me immediately. He said, if you'll give to missions, I will bless you. See, I had it all backwards. And so we offer up who we are, all our gains and all our goods and all our gifts and talents to God. Everyone say, open up. Everyone say, own up. Everyone say, offer up. And number four, there's some things in life, in order for missions to take precedence in our heart, there's some things in life we've got to opt out of may not be bad things may even be a good thing but it may not be a God thing you know through life I've realized there's some things in life you just need to opt out of because it's getting you off track from God's eternal purpose for your life and in the world we live in we busy ourselves with so many things so many opportunities come our way and when we really look at it most of it is selfish and it's thinking and hey I Hey, I love having a good time. I love, uh, you know, enjoying life. And God gives us all good things to enjoy. But understand something. If those things get in the way of our missions endeavor and banking missions our missions, there may be some things we just need to opt out of. Let me give you some thoughts. And Jesus was a great example at this. The first one is we need to opt out of our will. Jesus, when you read John in the Gospels, you'll... Find him saying this phrase, something along this line. I, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to fulfill the will of my Father. 
In fact, John 5, 6, 8, and 12 all have references to the fact that Jesus understood that he had opted out of his own will. He said, I didn't come to do my will. I've come to do the will of the Father. There is a will of God for my life. And that's where you and I need to come to the place. If we're going to make missions our mission, if it's going to really be personal in our life and we're going to really make a difference, there's some things we've got to opt out of. And one of the biggies is, and and as Jesus said there uh, in the garden when he sweat as it were, great drops of blood. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, O God. That's how we take it personal. Not my will, but his will. I'm opting out. It's not about me. Tell somebody it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about his eternal purpose. The second one is this. We need to opt out of our ways. Ooh, how many of you have ever learned by your mistakes? Anybody ever learned by, oh man, I thought I had it figured out and I did it my way and it was, it was bad way. You know, I heard someone say one time, it's my way or the highway. What are they saying? It's my way. They were bent on their way. Understand something. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. And we've got to opt out of our will and our ways. In fact, Isaiah 55, 9, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, says the Lord. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want to tell you something. When you get in the flow of his way, you're going to be moving to another level of influence in your life. But if you're always stumbling across your will and your way, you'll never fulfill God's purpose for your life. You'll frustrate God and the vision of God for your life. But if you come to the place where you say, it's not my will, it's not my way, I want his way, his way will lead you into the way. Amen. Some things in life, if you're going to fulfill God's kingdom purpose and make missions personal and make missions your mission, some things you've got to opt out of and just say, nope, that's not God's will. Nope, that's not God's way. Another thought is we need to opt out of what we want or our wants. Oh, man, are we a selfish people or what? In fact, the Bible knows our nature. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter 2. He talked about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It is our nature to want it and to have it, to get all we can and can the rest. But understand something, if we're going to make missions our missions and really fulfill God's purpose and be a part of the great fulfillment of phase two of winning our world to Christ, there's some things we've just got to opt out of and say, nope, that's not for me. It's not for me. What I want is not what matters. It's what God's want. It's what God's ways are. It's what His will is for my life. And today... God is calling us to accomplish and fulfill His kingdom purpose in our world, in the world we live in. That is our mission field. Your job is your parish. Your school is your parish. Your neighborhood is your parish. The whole world is our parish, but it begins right where we live. We've got to make it personal. Open up our eyes and our hearts and our ears. Own up to the responsibility of who we are and how God made us and what He's given us and what we know and what we have in Him. 
to take responsibility and be accountable for the gifts and the calling of God upon our life and to offer ourselves as a sacrifice on the altar in the service of His plan and purpose for our life and opt out of our will and our ways and our wants and be able to say with Jesus, it's not what I want, it's not what I will, but it's what you want and what you will. Let me tell you today, as we close, God wants to use you mightily in the days ahead. God wants to use you mightily tomorrow. The mission field is right out those doors. The world you and I live in is our parish. And it's time for us to open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to the world around us to own up to who we are as an ambassador for Christ offer up ourselves to him and opt out of anything that would hinder us in fulfilling God's eternal purpose for our life You know, this morning, God may be actually speaking to some of you about your future. Not just in Beaumont or in Southeast Texas, but potentially around the world. I'm not naive enough to think that God might be speaking to some to go beyond Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria in the uttermost parts of the world. What an honor it would be for me to be able to one day send you into the mission field with a vision in your heart and tools in your hands to make a difference in someone's life. But if not, what an honor it will be for me to commission you into your mission field right here in Southeast Texas. Put a vision in your heart and tools in your hands to make a big difference right here in this life. Let's stand together. And let's pray this prayer. Let's ask God to help us make it personal in our life. That when we think of missions, not to think of somewhere else and somebody else, but to think of the mission that God has given us, the responsibility we have, burn in our hearts a passion and see the world through a whole different lens and see them as the world that is without Christ who need a Savior let's bow before the Lord Father today we thank you we thank you Lord for you being the first missionary to this world